Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim will be teaching from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. Immediately after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and declared by God's audible voice from heaven that this was indeed his beloved son, Jesus went out into the desert alone. Mark only includes two short sentences about this, but the other Gospels fill in much more about this journey like the specific ways that Satan tempted him, and how Jesus responded with the truth of God's word. And then Jesus returned and began his earthly ministry by preaching the arrival of the kingdom of God. Well, is that how every ministry should begin? What can we learn from his temptation and his earliest preaching? Pastor Jim will answer these questions all week, but here is today's slice of the message entitled, How to Start a ministry. The Father's intention to take His beloved Son out to be tempted, and He was all the while led by the Holy Spirit. One reason this is here is so that we know that He knows what we face, and we know that He has the power over sin. Now, the Spirit impelled Him to go out into the wilderness. Where's that? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of places on earth that have been described as wilderness. This is the wilderness, referring to the the general area north and west of the Dead Sea. It was and is a, a truly desolate place. I've been through there on a bus, and I was really glad to have the bus. There's nothing there except you'll go by and you'll see some mountains and they'll say there's some caves up in there and that's where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, Mark's brief description says that Jesus' only earthly company during that time was that He was with the wild beasts. Only wild beasts live in such a place. And Jesus was driven there and went without food for 40 days. Now, if you're tempted to think that the problem is that John the Baptist didn't share his recipes for locusts and wild honey, um, you should note that Matthew and Luke specify that Jesus fasted for 40 days. And if you'll notice Mark's terminology here, he was in the wilderness and then he uses a participle, being tempted by Satan. So he was being tempted during all of that 40 days. Matthew specifies that after those 40 days came those three specific temptation that he, temptations that he and Luke record. But we have no idea what all it was that Jesus went through. As always, it's good to compare and to harmonize the Gospels when they comment on the same thing. A couple of things we can say. Um, you, can't, you can't tell it from Matthew, but it's, it's Mark and Luke that tell you that he was tempted throughout the 40 days. Uh, but Matthew's the one who, um, who uses terminology that implies a sequence of events 
after the 40 days that he fasted, then came this and this and this temptation. He's the one that uses those terms in that way. Another thing that we that we find out is that there is a difference in the order in the temptations between Matthew and Luke. Mark doesn't mention the specifics, so he doesn't count in that one, but um, there's no real discrepancy or contradiction between that because only Matthew puts them into a sequential uh, description by using terms that first this and then this and then and then that. Luke makes no claim to have listed them in sequence, so that's not a problem. It's another thing to, uh, to note that as you look at all three of these descriptions of the temptation of Jesus, Satan didn't tempt Jesus by offering him something that he wasn't entitled to. Satan did not offer him any forbidden fruit, as with Eve. Um, the, the three recorded temptations all had to do with trying to get Jesus to take things then and there which are clearly in the plan of God. But Satan tried to get him to do it on a schedule different from what the Father and he had planned before the Incarnation. In other words, uh, Satan was trying to get Jesus to forego his humiliation. Get it now. Jesus, get your best life now. That's a bad idea back then, just like it is now. Like whoever would write a book telling Christians they can have their best life now is telling people, you've got to be going to hell. Because if this is all there is, boy, are you missing it. You see, he's telling Jesus, you can have the kingdom now. Well, look, the kingdoms of this world will indeed become part of the kingdom of God when Jesus returns. He says, well, turn these stones into food if you're hungry. Well, eating is a normal part of life, and God promises to supply us with our daily bread. Uh, even, the, even the care of His people by angels, that's part of God's providence, according to Hebrews chapter 1 and, and verse 14. But it's wrong to presume on God by throwing yourself off the temple and making an angel catch you. See, it's wrong to demand that God meet your needs whenever and wherever you see fit in the manner that you want it on your timetable. The kingdom of God would have no population for Jesus to reign over if Jesus didn't stay and finish the work of atonement. So Satan was trying to get Jesus to give up his humiliation and to get his glory prematurely. He wanted him to not entrust himself to the Father's will and to walk by the Spirit. Now, another reason this is here, other than validating who Jesus is, other than introducing the King, other than showing His authority over Satan, is to help you and I understand what it means that we are commanded to imitate the attitude that Jesus had in His humility. You're probably familiar with the words of Philippians chapter 2. The command in verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And skip down to verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself and walked through every day of that plan that the Father had for him. Understand also that this is not something that you can take care of once and for all in your life. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 23, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. You've got to do it every day. This is, Jesus was tempted all throughout His life. This was the pinnacle of the temptation, but it was all temptation for Him, if you will. It was all testing His obedience. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, looks back on this and it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus has been tempted in in every manner of every stage of life that you've been tempted or will be tempted. He has faced every kind of temptation that you face, but He did it completely without sin. We eventually crumble. He experienced temptation to the fullest and never gave in. He experienced temptation not just from um, the, the world and the system and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He experienced it face to face even with Satan and yet without sin. That's why when you are granted His righteousness by faith, it is a perfect righteousness. He lived this life perfectly holy, and you get it accredited to your account. This is astounding. Another one is Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. It says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest. Listen to these descriptions of him. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heaven. Now Christ is holy. That means He has no sin. He is innocent. That means He is without evil or malice. There's no wickedness in Him. He is undefiled, meaning He is free from contamination. He is separated from sinners, meaning that He has no sin in Him as you and I do. He has no sin nature that would be the source of any specific act of sin. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 can say, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus knew no sin. He was separate from us. He was different from us. That means He did not have a fallen nature like you and I have. Romans chapter 7, verse 20 is where Paul gives the answer to his own uh, rhetorical question, why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do? Why do I keep failing to do the things that I want to do? And he says, I understand. It's because of sin which dwells in me. That wasn't Jesus. Now, I've heard people say that for Jesus to be tempted as we are means that He had to have a sin nature as we do. And I have a real problem with that. If, um, if He was able to sin, well, then He might have been like Adam. Maybe He hadn't sinned, but Adam certainly could sin. Um, but if He was like that, that would mean that He couldn't be God. There's a very significant difference between saying He was able not to sin, everybody agrees with that, and saying He was not able to sin. 
Big difference between able not to sin and not able to sin. Jesus was fully temptable because He was fully human. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.